Welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast with host Teddy Tarantino. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please find a 12-step meeting. If you're struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, or your mental health, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. Again, the number you can call for help is 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Teddy Tarantino. Today, I have a very special guest. I think it's our first rapper ever, Kid Inc. Hey, what's happening? It was really dope seeing you because like I've been listening to you since I was like probably a kid. And um, like I used to listen to Sunset. Sunset. Hey. And like uh, even like when I went to your house for the first time, I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm at Kid Inc's house. It's crazy. Now, that's what's up, man. Hell yeah. yeah. Now, Sunset is day one. Day one Mm -hmm. fans know about those. Yeah, of course. Before the radio, before the CB records. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Um, So I wanted to ask you like, you know, you being like in the industry and stuff like that, like obviously you've been through like a lot of ups and downs. I was trying to like do research on you. Like there's not a lot of interviews. Like there's not much about you. Like I was a real low key guy, you know? So I appreciate you coming out, but it's like, um, you know, like the whole premise of the show is like we want to try to get like a, a deep interview like what's really going on with people and yeah. um to try to give people hope out there you know yeah no definitely uh i mean i i think because i started off as a producer mm-hmm. i'm i'm definitely very good at keeping it low-key mm-hmm. introverted so like yeah. even when stuff happens or like when it's stuff in the news i've done a good job of just like chilling being yeah. quiet not even getting too deep into mm-hmm. things i've had my little tmz stories here and there i'll be like ah, i don't yeah. even feed into it too much or nothing but now I'm, i definitely do it too good of a job sometimes mm-hmm. of being introverted <laughs> where i gotta yeah. get myself out there yeah, and be yeah, like yo yo some, hey guys what's do up some social shit right or not letting people also control narratives and stuff mm-hmm. too that's something you learn over time like dang if you would have said something then yeah. it wouldn't have went, or people wouldn't have thought this or maybe this and that so mm-hmm. You know, I, I I still surprise people to this day once we get in the conversation. They'd be yeah. like, oh, I didn't even know you was into that. I didn't even yeah. think that you would, you know, have known that. Or, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Said this, this, and that. So it's always, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying, dope to sit down and So, like, where does your story start? Like, what was growing up like for you? Uh, Growing up for me, um, you know, I'm Los Angeles, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up West L.A. to South Central areas i say areas because like i was in a like move every two three years type Mm -hmm. of situation so i never like lived in a house like i I didn't grow up in a household like i always had like lived in apartments Mm -hmm. and like moved around moms was on section eight you You got siblings i have four siblings um i have two brothers and a sister from my mother and then i have another sister from my father's side Mm -hmm. My father, though, he went to jail when I was five, and he went for a good... He had a 10-year bid. He mm-hmm. did eight, selling drugs, yeah. uh, you know, talking on the phone, got caught up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I definitely was, you know, it was my mom taking care of us yeah. for the most part. Um, you know, my brothers have a different father, and my sister has a different father, mm-hmm. but they i wouldn't necessarily say they were like stepfathers Mm -hmm. to an extent you know so it was definitely still just kind of like me and my mom always thugging it out and i was kind of like the man of the house at the end of the day so you know i've always had to step up in that sense as far as in the fam so Mm -hmm. 
it's always been something. Was nice. there like a lot of like uh, feeling different growing up because like you didn't have a dad? I know that's like usually how people feel. Uh, to an extent, I mean, it wasn't the most uncommon situation mm-hmm. depending on, you know what I'm saying? Like I had a lot of different friends that, mm-hmm. you know, had the same type of situation. Not necessarily with their fathers like being in jail, but just, mm-hmm. you know, not being as connected yeah, or yeah. having, you know, brothers and sisters from other, you know what I'm saying, fathers and stuff like mm-hmm. that or families. So um, I ain't really think too much of it, though. I kind of like was cool with, you know, stepping into that role and being mm-hmm. a man of the house. And like, that's just how my mom always raised me to be tough. She was a tough, you know, mother because she also had lost her mom at when she was two. Wow. So my mom lost her mom when she was two over her ex-boyfriend coming and shooting mm-hmm. her. Oh so that wow! Was, yeah, so my mom's like I so don't know she how like her own story trauma. is, but yeah, yeah, her whole yeah, exactly. So wow. like that made her a tough mom. So she just mm-hmm. was raised by her dad, but her dad lives in uh, my my grandfather's always lived in Cleveland mm-hmm. for the most part that I've always known, and you know, shout out Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't want me to give out too much information, <laughs> but my Papa was a hustler, mm-hmm. so you know he was always I like picked up from him Mm -hmm. always just knew like you got to be that guy and like take care of your family and I think I got that from him and then you know my mom just she just knew how to be that Mm -hmm. mom dad type situation for me too so I was always raised to just be you know a tough kid when did you start getting like feeling like you're like artistic side um probably like I always been in a drawing Mm -hmm. I always been in the art when I was a kid, I always just tried to like draw or color in the lines. Mm-hmm. Like I always just had that perfection. Like I always wanted to perfect my art and make sure it looked good and stuff when we was in classrooms and all of that. But I think like around, mm, I can't remember which, it was probably the first Puff Daddy album. I was super young. So probably around like six, seven years old is mm-hmm. when I really got into music. And you know, it was just certain uh, I think it was at a time where they, they had this thing where you could order a bunch of CDs from uh, like at once from this uh-huh. like infomercial type thing. Uh-huh. That, and then my mom like let me pick out like six CDs. Okay. And I remember just like I picked uh, DMX, It's Dark As Hell Is Hot, like the first Chronic, No Way Out. I think it was the first, was it the first Biggie album? It might have been the second mm-hmm. one. It might have been Life After Death. And probably like doggy style, and I just remember at that point like that was yeah that's like what made you <laughs> yeah those those were like the first albums I owned to yeah. my, oh and Mace Harlem World okay and those were like the first albums that I owned and really like dived into mm-hmm. and grew like a love for music and then like started like picking out just you know what I'm saying this different styles mm-hmm. I like trying to write different things like that and then I think you know I always just had music in me my mom was kind of like a singer writer mm-hmm. not like professionally but that was but just she a enjoyed part. doing that yeah she yeah. enjoyed doing that just on her leisure she always had a book where she was writing lyrics and... so she was like encouraging you yeah she yeah. was it was always encouragement there mm-hmm. um you know still always you know don't not have a backup plan like yeah it wasn't she wasn't pushing me to be this go rap yeah. celebrity yeah go rap or anything mm-hmm. like that but she always kept me you know what i'm saying active and growing up in la uh, you know, acting was always a thing. Mm-hmm. 
especially because a lot of the movies and did stuff, you want to act I thought I did. Like I don't. I don't. I still don't. Uh-huh. I'm not against acting now. Mm-hmm. I think at the time because you know it was movies like Boys in the Hood or mm-hmm. just Men of Society. Like those movies and and even when like Training Day and stuff came yeah. out, they still like to involve people really from the city for sure. So it was normal to like be an actor for me growing up mm-hmm. and still be from the hood. Like it didn't take away from anything. Mm-hmm. And then I think when I got older. I started getting a lot of tattoos and I like my just vision changed a little bit mm-hmm. and I was doing like so wait hands so like so growing up like when you were like doing like the music and stuff did you think that you were gonna do it professionally as when you were younger or it was just something you fucked with like a hobby so it was like when I was 15 it was more so kind of just like a hobby because mm-hmm. my friends were doing it so that's when I kind of started taking it serious because mm-hmm. I remember uh, around like junior high school is when I start kind of messing up in school a little mm-hmm. bit. I think like elementary school, I was like academically like about <laughs> to be that guy. Yeah. And then I went to junior high and got a little bit more into like friends and mm-hmm. wanting to be cool and just doing different stuff like that. And you know what I'm saying? And I think the group of friends though that I was running with, um, I had found out that they had, they were like doing music and stuff together. Mm-hmm. Like I had a homeboy who, like I had a classroom homeboy and then I had a homeboy that I hung out with just like outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. And when I found out they were both friends and they were traveling and going to Watts to go to this music program mm-hmm. and make music for free, I was like, oh, that's oh, wow. dope. Like I'm gonna try to go with y'all. And then when I went with them, they taught me how to make beats. And then mm. that was kind of the beginning of it all. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so it was like... Because like for it, me growing up, that's so foreign because like I never had nobody that was like, oh, I'm going to this school. Like me, like more friends would have thought that was corny. Yeah. Like my friends would have been like, oh, you know, music. Because, like, growing up, like, well, like when I grew up, it was like, only play sports. Like, that's the only cool thing you can right. do. Right. Like, I was know? in the basketball crazy. I thought, okay. I thought if anything, you know, You're I was going to play ball. I remember the doctor told me I was going to probably push, like, 6'1", mm-hmm. if that. I was like, oh, maybe I could stretch a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it, yeah. I really, I ended up hitting, like, 5'11", and tapping uh-huh. out on that. And then <laughs> and I was like, I'm me not too. going no more. Yeah. But I think... uh you know when my it was just it was they were going to go rap mm-hmm. so like at first i was going with them thinking like all right they're going to go rap i don't know how to rap but yeah. i'm gonna just go and just hang out you know what i'm saying and that's how you learn out. how to make beats and then they you know a lot of them rap but none of them was really like making beats and i kind of mm-hmm. saw that as my end like all right well i'll just make the beats but y'all mm-hmm. gotta teach me how to use this equipment and it's funny so the first person that helped me make beats was nipsey hustle so it was like wow we were going to this place in Watts, and it was probably about like How five old were y'all? or six of us. I was, this was eighth grade. So That's I was crazy. What, You've known Nipsey 14? since eighth grade? Yeah. Wow. So we went up there, and then, so that was eighth grade when I ended up meeting mm-hmm. him, and then we ended up going to the same high school in ninth grade, mm-hmm. and then I ended up getting kicked out for that. Were you doing like street stuff at this time? Or you just like kind of like doing like juvenile, like delinquent stuff. Juvenile delinquent (laughs) stuff. I wasn't really ever, you know, in a gang or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But I hung around everybody that was there. I didn't have an issue being around or being in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, 80% of my friends growing up were all, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. in a gang for the most part. (laughs) But I think, you know, I was always just around and just was having fun. And like a lot of them were, you know, these were friends I grew up with. Mm -hmm. But I was still like... 
I was always kind of that person that they wanted to see succeed yeah. outside of it. It's yeah, because like you're like same. the homie that's doing the music. Yeah, yeah, like they were like, oh, you got, you know what I'm saying, a lot of different opportunities. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I think, you know, the biggest thing with, with me is like the, the, I didn't have the grandma's house in the hood. A lot of people had the grandma mm-hmm. house in the hood that they would go to the hood and hang out at their grandma house. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, you know what I'm saying? So I was always, like I said, moving around. So I never had a specific hood. So like, gotcha. I could be, I always had that. You could mindset. be that chameleon. Yeah. So I could, I could move around and that, that worked in my benefit growing up, but it, it was one of those things where like, luckily I had the mindset like, you know you're not gonna live in this hood for that mm-hmm. long, so don't come become from a hood and then yeah. move to the enemy's hood. Yeah. And then now you have to <laughs> wow. deal with this every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you know sometimes happened where I moved somewhere where those people didn't like none of my mm-hmm. friends and stuff yeah. like that. But I was able to move a certain way because I didn't mm-hmm. have no specific ties nowhere like mm-hmm. that. So, so okay, so hang on. So so Nipsey teaches you how to make beats. Like, what's your guys' relationship? You get kicked out of high school. Uh, so he teaches me how to make beats. Uh, once I leave high school, I ended up going to homeschool. Mm-hmm. So when I went to homeschool, I had more free time mm-hmm. to just really hang out and make beats. So wow. when I was going to homeschool, I would just wait for all of them to get out of school, and then I would just go to everybody's house and mm-hmm. like, you know, what I'm saying. So like, I, at the time, I lived. This was when I was more West LA area, and I would go all the way to Slauson. And mm-hmm. just, you know what I'm saying, take the bus over there. By the time I was 15, I had a bucket. So I had a, a little $800 car that, okay. you know, we saved up for and mom uh-huh. helped me get. And then I would just drive over there, you know what I'm saying, and just hang out mm-hmm. the whole weekend. So weekends, I was always off Slauson just trying to work on the music mm-hmm. and making the beats and just doing stuff like that. So What was Nipsey like back then? Uh, Everybody at the time was a little <clears throat> more trying to find like a a conscious route mm-hmm. of everything so it was a lot more and i don't know if it was just the like the the era it was probably in hip-hop especially because i think new york rap was a little bit more at the forefront mm-hmm. so a lot of the 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 nas mm-hmm. and the like they were listening to a lot of most yeah. Def and talib kwali and common and just mm-hmm. different stuff like that which was, you know, the guys who were trying to push the, we're from the street narrative, but mm-hmm. we're, we're not dummies. Yeah. Like we, we, yeah. we got some knowledge out here. Yeah. We read books. Yeah. That's why you like know. Like a most deaf. Yeah. yeah. That's why when you, when you hear stories about Nipsey, you hear mm-hmm. he read books yeah. all the time. That's always been yeah. know, somebody he was reading books, teaching mm-hmm. about stuff. The names that everybody used uh-huh. to have back in the day was like, E equals MC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that would be like, you know what I'm saying? They were trying to figure out how to blend their names yeah. into these real conscious. Like something like, deep. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was real deep. And uh-huh. then, you know, by the time we got like 16, 17 and, you know. It was, it was more just, gangster rap. It was a little bit more gangster rap. You know, uh-huh. when people got tired of getting robbed. And, you know, we had to make different friends and like figure out how to yeah. you know, live in the neighborhood the right way, you know just different people went different mm-hmm. routes and you know i think it was you know it was interesting mm-hmm. it was an interesting time growing up because like i said i was always there you know but i wasn't never in the game yeah and then it reaches a point too where it's too late to get in the game yeah and then that, I, once i reached that point it was like nah i'm never because <laughs> it, it's a little harder when you yeah. join the gang later yeah they kind of like 
Oh, you were standing on the sidelines for all this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they kind of, yeah, like you got to watch all this and uh-huh. now you think you're just going to jump in the game. Uh-huh. And, then it, and it's kind of a little harder for you on that sense gotcha. as far as earning respect and mm-hmm. all of that. So, you know, I definitely understood that and seen and heard just so many different mm-hmm. stories that just, you know, turned me off and made me know that that wasn't really there. When did like your whole style like become, because I feel like you're so different than like so many other rappers because a lot of rappers kind of like, all kind of like look the same like you've always been like a little different like even like gauges like, i don't know any rapper that has, <laughs> but i was like bro this man's got iced out gauges hey, my, my small ones I yeah that's down crazy yeah um i think i always just did you been, skate yeah, a little bit okay, i had a, so I had a skate, skate i had a skate wave uh you know shout out skateboard p that was definitely okay. one of the big inspirations as far as not only just producing, yeah. but like I, I was trying to be the producer skater at one yeah, point. I, like uh, Lupe Fiasco, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but you know, I actually started off doing BMXing first. Oh, really? It was, it was more BMXing mm-hmm. and, you know, riding the bikes. I always had a bike um, with pegs on it. Mm-hmm. It was always just trying different things and tricks and stuff like that. I didn't really see the goals or like or the opportunities for mm-hmm. those outlets like it wasn't a lot of opportunities i think though growing up to be like that's a reality yeah maybe that's something you could do you could maybe even go to x games one uh-huh. day so yeah if you like, don't know nobody who's like made it in bikes yeah. you're like oh whatever yeah right right and then you know skateboarding <clears throat> obviously was a little bit more common in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and you know what i'm saying how good did you like you can kickflip right now I can't land the kickflip. <laughs> okay. I can start the kickflip okay. right now. I was really good at like my manual was super nice. I could, okay. man, I could, I could <laughs> that was where I there started. I could manual, I could switch flip. Uh-huh. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I did uh end up learning how to, you know what I'm saying, dive in the half mm-hmm. pipe, like dropping oh, in. Wow. I could drop in after the okay. the first time I dropped in, I fell crazy. Yeah. Bruce yeah, because I always head. skated when I was a kid too. So, yeah, yeah, but that's all, that's all it takes. You got to, once you learn, like mm-hmm. you got to fall to learn. Yeah, I remember the first drop, and then you I learn did. how to fall. Yeah, you learn how to fall the yeah. right way, and and everything starts to make sense. So yeah. I definitely got to a point where, like, I was as nice as maybe like Little Wayne his first mm-hmm. year. <laughs> bro, that, I was always saying like, bro, watching him skate was like the most humbling thing, bro. You yeah. ain't watching a superstar skater like can't even ollie. You know? Right, right, yeah, no. It's like, and he would be like, yo, post this, and it would be like a one inch. And it would jump, be nothing. You know? to me. I would be judging too, like, yeah. oh man, I could do better than that. But, but it was the same time. It was cool it was because it's good. like no, most people are like, I'll post something if I'm good. It's like it's got to be a certain level before yeah, I even for sure. Sh- share I wouldn't it, even you know? tell nobody at the time until I was nice. <laughs> I'd be like, let me yeah. practice this at the house all day yeah. in the backyard all day. But my little brother was really really good too uh-huh. so i think that was always just like a, a cool little inspiration because wow. i could pick up from him like he mm-hmm. was just naturally good at, at skateboarding so then like after high school or after like homeschooling uh you have all this time making beats when do you start being like i'm gonna do this for real <clears throat> um well i kind of became that guy at school i ended up doing homeschool and at mm-hmm. homeschool you were able to attend community college Okay. So I ended up going to West LA Community College and taking voice class, piano class. Damn. I had so it was like so it's my not major, like you had a backup plan. Like you were like, I'm doing music in some capacity. Yeah, my major was music, my minor was art. So mm-hmm. I would literally go, I had six classes, I would do music for most of the day, and then I had like a couple different like mm-hmm. I had a Adobe art class and then just the painting class, mm-hmm. which I wasn't really good at painting. I ended up <laughs> dropping out of that one. Yeah. But the the music classes and the voice classes are, are 
things that ended up like I still benefit off just taking those classes mm-hmm. now today more than anything. Like it's really cool that I'm glad I did that. I don't like I'm not glad yeah. that I failed out of ninth grade to uh-huh. have to do that because yeah. it did kind of suck to check out with all F's and like mm-hmm. go back home and look at my mom yeah. like I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not <laughs> an idiot. I just yeah I was too focused on other shit. So I think um, from there it just it was. I went to, uh, what was that, like 11th grade. I ended up going back to school mm-hmm. and I went to Fairfax High School off of Melrose because that's where a lot of my friends from junior high ended up mm-hmm. going. And then when I went over there, um, we kind of started like a like a rap battle thing during like lunch. Mm-hmm. And I was in Were charge. Were you rapping? Yeah, or are you still making nah, beats? No, I was just making beats. Okay. So I was like in charge of the instrumentals. Okay. At the time, you know, streaming had just started going. Well, not really streaming, but like, what was it? MP3s? Yeah, MP3s. And all that yeah. stuff was coming out. Morpheus, LimeWire, all that good <laughs> yeah. stuff. So I was the guy who was at, at the house. With all the LimeWire. Computers, yeah. yeah, just downloading everything illegally. Uh-huh. And just and just bringing it back to the to the school and having beats. Like, I'll be like, yo, what beat you want? All right, uh-huh. I'm going to go to the crib and go was get this it. this like 2003? Yeah. So okay. it was like 03. So 03, yeah. I was kind of like helping in charge of being in the, the rap battle mm-hmm. scene at the school. And from there, I had a friend who I would make all the beats for. Mm-hmm. And then he started pressing up mixtapes. And then we kind of became like, that was the thing. We was like the guys who were selling the mixtapes mm-hmm. on Melrose or at the school. and like. Passing but it was mixtapes of you guys? or you? I was, was making all the beats and he was rapping. Wow, okay. So you're making your own music at this point. Right? Yeah, but we were kind of like going kind of like as a group. Yeah. It was kind of like a, like a, almost a, I'm trying to think about who's a group like that. Gangstar, I guess. Yeah. So just one producer, one rapper, and we were just going mm-hmm. in. And, uh, and, and at that time, too, I was huge on sampling. So I would just sample a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really like trying to replay too much. And then um, around maybe like 06 is when I kind of like really saw it being an opportunity because mm-hmm. I was still just like at the crib making beats, but I still had to like have jobs. What are you doing for work? I worked at, well, first I would just do like odd jobs and just whatever I could get mm-hmm. done. And then my first like real job was at The Gap. Wow. And then I kind of like. That's crazy. Yeah, about, yeah. It wasn't really the scene <laughs> <laughs> for too long. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up going from The Were Gap. Were you like selling clothes or like folding clothes in the back? They had me folding more. <laughs> yeah, I was doing more folding. Was folding. I wasn't really good at the uh-huh. sales of The Gap yeah, clothes. I didn't like wearing The Gap clothes all the time. Like, because they wanted you to like buy the clothes. Yeah, like wear it. And yeah. then like push this narrative. <laughs> and I just really wasn't, really wasn't into it like mm-hmm. that. But then I ended up going over to, uh, I ended up getting a job in Nordstrom's because I had a wow. friend who already had a job over there. Nordstrom's and was fire. Nordstrom's was fire because yeah. I was able to like really get into fashion. Uh-huh. So it was like they were at the time, oh, True crazy. Religions had just wow. came out. like, And I was on top of just other just getting that discount. fashion trends early, got the discounts. Yeah. It was really not even the discounts. It was the return policy. So, uh, it's crazy. I know. I tell people till yeah. today, like, bro, Nordstrom's return policy. Return, greatest return policy, policy on earth. But yeah. I would, like, literally buy a shirt on Friday, like a Lacoste shirt on Friday. Wear it, wear destroy it, it, bring it back. Crazy. Yeah. Then take it back on Monday, mm-hmm. like, return it myself under zero, yeah. so no employee <laughs> number. <laughs> Until that became, like, a bad thing. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up getting fired from Nordstrom's for. Really, like, I just 
got a, I was I was getting a lot of tattoos at the time, uh-huh. and I was working at a tattoo shop on the side. So Apprenticing like after I, or doing tattoos? Okay. So after I would leave Nordstrom's, I would go. There was a tattoo shop um, right around the corner from my crib, owned by this Rough Riders uh, motorcycle guy. Mm-hmm. He was a part of the Rough Riders crew, and they used to let me come in there. It was this dude named Tattoo Jay, this Filipino dude. He would let me apprentice under him. Mm-hmm. And he was literally just teaching me the ropes. I would go in there and clean tools and just do tracing for them for free tattoos. So, like, I would do all the work during the day, sweep uh-huh. up, whatever the case was. And then they would just tattoo me, like, yeah. after hours and just do different stuff like that. My mom. Were you, like, trying to get covered or you're just, like, not thinking about that one point? Now, I knew I was going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I knew I was going to go crazy because yeah. I, I, the way I got tattoos, too, was like I didn't just go straight arm. Like I did get my first tattoo on my arm, but it was from like my wrist all the way up to my elbow. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. I'm in class. That was like the beginning? Yeah, beginning. I'm in oh, class with the on. biggest tattoo in the school. I probably, <laughs> for sure, I don't uh-huh. know anyone who had a bigger tattoo yeah. than me from 11th to 12th grade. But by the time I was- It's like kind of frowned upon to get like a- an yeah. arm tattoo before you get like something that's covered, right? For sure, for sure. They the teachers are looking at me crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. What are you doing, little kid? Mm-hmm. And I would leave my arm on the desk, yeah, too, like, just uh, like this the whole day. You guys need anything? Right. right. So it was like mm-hmm. between that and then I started getting like tattoos on my stomach and just mm-hmm. different places where I knew like, all right, I'm gonna get the tattoo here, so I gotta keep filling it up. Yeah. So like it starts. You know to how like blank. you can't join a gang later in life? I feel like I can't get tattoos later in life. I still got friends that tell me that because yeah. I have honestly friends still that have zero tattoos, which is yeah. I'd be pushing it like, come uh-huh. on, man. And they're really strong on <laughs> yeah. like they feel like it's too late. Well, I feel like I wouldn't want to have a couple tattoos. I'd want to be covered. So then it's like, I'm going to start that process now. Yeah. Like I have four small tattoos. Yeah. Well, you probably never I noticed that. I noticed that the people who get the tattoos late cover up fast. Yeah. It's they like, go it's full like, sleeve bro, you gotta immediately. Be, yeah, yeah, you they don't wait. Big, yeah. You can't be like, I'm going to start here. here. Yeah. When you're a jit, it's like, oh, I'll get this one. I'll get this oh, no, one. I've literally whatever. had almost every tattoo that I have done one by one, like the smallest oh, really? to the biggest. I've never wow. really got like, all right, I'm gonna get this whole sleeve wow. part done, or I'm gonna get yeah, this whole. Yeah, because it looks like, like your tattoos look dope. Now, a lot of I just used to blend. get one, they don't mm-hmm. like go together. Right, that was something I always stay focused on though, was just like making sure everything blends together real yeah. well. And like, you know what I'm saying? That I was figuring that did out. Did you do your own tattoos ever? Yeah, I actually still have. Uh, I did this one on my knee. This eye of horror uh-huh. is probably like the Egyptian eye. Yeah, two months ago. Oh maybe, wow! I want to say. Damn, you're tattooing your own knee. That's crazy. and then like I've done. I did the first thing I ever, I was just shading and mm-hmm. coloring just to get the feel of it all. Mm-hmm. And then this might have been like the first real like situation where I like got the everything proper like, like did didn't yeah, freestyle yeah. it. I got the like the the paper uh-huh. and you know what I'm saying printed. I got the printer. Uh-huh. But it was when the the wireless ones came out uh-huh. is when I really got yeah. into it a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. before the hookup was like, yeah, you got to get this gun. And I've been thinking about wireless tattoo guns for so long. I, mean, I should have came up with that. Crazy. Yeah, I should have came up with that a long time ago. Because the process of putting a tattoo gun used to be crazy. Yeah. Burn the needle, put mm-hmm. this through there, get the rubber bands, boom this. And you got to screw yeah. this on here. And then you got to get these two clips and this little mm-hmm. box and then the step like yeah. pedal and all that. It was a lot going yeah. on. So once the wireless ones came out, I've been getting a little bit more active at yeah. home just doing more stuff with myself and mm-hmm. fixing stuff that i felt like needed something mm-hmm. over the time so yeah, that's cool still having fun with so, it so um after high school you start you know selling like your own mixtapes and then you said like you got serious and you were the you were doing all like the limewire stuff like in 2003 what yeah. happens after 2003 
Well, it got serious when uh, I want to say around. I can't. I don't want to give an exact date. That's wrong. But between like two thousand six, seven, mm-hmm. uh, Nipsey ended up grabbing a beat from me. Um, Bullets ain't got no names was the mm. name of the beat. So, well, that was the name of the song. Yeah. But I remember I had went to the crib, and uh, he had asked me. So, just let me, how does copywriting vibe. work or whatever? How does it work? Because I always want to like you make a song, right? And then you send it to someone and see if they like it and they buy it off you. At that time, uh, well, not when it's independent or just like the street guys. Mm-hmm. Like when this song, when he did that, it, a lot of it was just like mixtape stuff. So like mm-hmm. I gave him the record, and he so put multiple on his people mixtape. No, 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 no. So like with this, it was like hand to hand. Like he came by the house. Uh-huh. Well, he first he gave me an idea, then he came by the house. You know, I had to mm-hmm. bounce all these onto a CD, mm-hmm. give him the CD, and then you know he went and did what he did at the studio. And then the record he ended up doing got him a deal and they wanted to re-release it mm-hmm. as a first single. And like they ended up putting game on the remix. And like so at that point they had to do the business side and send me paperwork and but it got a little bigger at that point because they ended up like flying me out with him to New York. Mm-hmm. So I was with them and their team for a couple weeks until I just ran out of money, really. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like I was yeah, I was young. Mm-hmm. I didn't have no real job at the time. And they weren't really paying me. I think I went to New York with like $200 mm-hmm. and stayed for like two weeks, stretched that $200 as far as wow. I could, taking taxis and trying mm-hmm. to eat and feed myself. Uh, but it was interesting. So the guy that flew me out was Johnny Shipes. So I ended up going out there with Johnny Shipes, working with Cinematic Music Group real early. And then um, after that, I kind of got in a position where I just needed to go home mm-hmm. and really figure out what my next step was going to be. I felt like I was just hanging around and yeah. it wasn't really anything progressing. So I went home and when I went home, everything kind of started back over again. So now I went from being in a place where I thought I was about to like get this label deal mm-hmm. and like Nipsey was popping and this stuff was going You're on. Like, oh, it's about to be like, it's about to be crazy. Yeah. I had got my uh-huh. first like, Production check, it was only $5,000, but that was huge. I was like, yo, I just got paid for a beat, $5,000. Like, I'm about to be that guy. And then (laughs) nothing happened. (laughs) The first time you get paid for something you do, like, artistically, it feels crazy. Nah, it definitely felt different. It was definitely a big motivation at Mm -hmm. the same time, but then also, like, felt like a letdown when it was right right back to normal, Mm -hmm. right back to the hood, right back to you you need to figure out where you're about to work, where the next dollar about to come Mm -hmm. from. Like, Oh, you got fired from Nordstrom for what? (laughs) Oh, I got fired from Nordstrom. So the whole thing is I got fired from Nordstrom's for Mm -hmm. tattooing tattooing myself at work. I was drawing drawing a tattoo on me. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like, into the process, I was over the job pretty much. Yeah, I was drawing a tattoo on myself in the mirror for most of the day. Uh-huh. I'm sure they was watching me on the camera. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Uh-huh. And then a customer had came up and asked me something, and I didn't give them the right response that yeah. they wanted to hear. Then they left a complaint, and then Ooh. two weeks within that complaint, I got fired. Yeah. So from there, it was like, okay, you could have been the head of North Shore. <laughs> Nah, but that yeah. it, it it was definitely one of those situations where mm-hmm. I understood why I got fired, and I was yeah. already kind of over the job anyway because mm-hmm. I just it just you know it wasn't really the passion at that point. I had already 
tasted a little bit mm-hmm. of the success. So it was like I didn't kind of want to go backwards from that. So then after that five grand check, you go back. Then, like, how does the story progress? Um, You know, it was one of those things where I was back in a place where I was, you know, finding odd jobs, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, just working with different people who had just stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, like really like odd jobs like finding like homies like you want to come clean this garage out or uh-huh. you want to come do uh-huh. this or work at this uh-huh. little child care center and play <laughs> basketball with these kids and like just little random things yeah. like that that never really lasted long but just you know little get you mm-hmm. some money get for a by, couple yeah. weeks get you by stuff like that you know still trying to go to school just to get the loans mm-hmm. <laughs> dropping classes for but sure. just going to get the grants and, get and the check. loans and yeah. get the check and then that go back home yeah. right all that money so that was definitely the lifestyle for a minute. Again, still, you know, I was with moms. We still had, luckily, that Section 8 was still rocking. Okay. Food stamps were still uh-huh. rocking. So it was, it was still a little bit easier to get by with that mm-hmm. that assistance, but it wasn't the goal. So, and like with that said, too, like my mom didn't drop Section 8 until I signed my like official label deal wow. in 2014. Like she just couldn't let wow, that shit go. Yeah. I was like, all right, mom, it's time. I like, know people that have been on got big money now. We, got we don't bread. need this. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? They're like, man, it's still four hundred dollars. It, it yeah. still was coming through for her, uh-huh. so, and I couldn't be mad if she was still filling up her fridge and yeah. wasn't asking me for nothing. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Your rent's only two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's go crazy. Yeah. But then at a certain point, you're like, all right, they're gonna find out I'm your son. Yeah, and this is gonna be done, and then I'm gonna have to explain <laughs> this. Yeah. So I, you know, but I think from. 2006 or like 2008 mm-hmm. to about 2010, I was kind of just figuring it out, staying active, staying inside studios mm-hmm. that I, you know, what I'm saying in people's faces, you know. Luckily, when did you go from producing to being on the mic? Um, the first time I tried it, honestly, I was about. It was probably right after the Nipsey situation Mm -hmm. where I went into it more so still as a producer. It was me and and the same guy from high school Mm -hmm. and his cousin. And uh, we ended up meeting this dude named Alex, can't remember his last name, um, who wanted to sign us Mm -hmm. because he just saw the potential there. And at first I just wanted to be a producer, but he kind of wanted me to be an artist. Yeah. But... When I say like be a producer, I, I still looked up to Timberland and like mm-hmm. Pharrell and still even like Kanye at the time to where they were still actively doing hooks and they were still writing. Yeah. And they were still, you know, being a part of the record. So I was like, all right, I don't mind being a part of the record, doing the hook, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Some ad libs here and there, be Diddy in the background. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind doing that. Yeah. But people started to grow like the especially the management started to like grow like a infatuation with just how I sounded Mm -hmm. and like they really used to push this like you can sing and rap at the same time like it was a really big thing for them at the time like we don't really know too many people who were doing melodic rap like that Uh so it was really early um, and we didn't have really any success from it Mm -hmm. too much like you know shot a couple videos did Mm -hmm. a couple shows met some people you know I remember just meeting like Philly Phil earlier, mm-hmm. trying to get on the radio. We did all that stuff, but it didn't really work out. And we ended up all separating and doing our own thing. And from there, I kind of grew more and more into growing the craft of writing mm-hmm. and being, you know what I'm saying, solo and figuring it out. But I still didn't really care to be an artist. 
I just wanted to like you like I said be a part of the records and yeah. and like help people out and just you know come up with ideas and melodies and stuff like that. So from there, um, I ended up linking up with uh, like fast forward the next situation. I linked up with Youngberg, mm-hmm. who's hitmaker now, but you know Youngberg at the time, and he had his record had just started going crazy with Ray J and. I had got in a room with him from a Nipsey session. So Nipsey had called me to come to the studio one day because mm-hmm. he was in the studio in Hollywood with one with this producer named Rob Holiday. And he told me, like, come through. You know, I got these producers here, but mm-hmm. I need you here. Cause you know what I'm saying, you know, you know yeah. the sound. You could, you know what I'm saying, help direct the situation. So when I went up there, um, I started, you know, as soon as I got in there, I was making beats. Mm-hmm. And this dude Rob Holiday was like, yo. Like you're nice, mm-hmm. like yo, what's what's good? Like you got to start just pulling up to the sessions all mm-hmm. the time. So I just started coming to the studio all the time and just pulling up to the sessions and being involved. And he was business partners with Young Berg, and they had this label that they were mm-hmm. creating, YB. And I kind of was just in there as a producer, just co-producing behind mm-hmm. the scenes, doing a lot of behind the scenes, just adding stuff to the records, not really focused on writing. I think mm-hmm. at that time I had really dropped the the rapper stuff. And I was just still, for them, I was just the cool kid from L.A. with all the tattoos. Like, yeah. I was more so just a vibe. Especially back then, there wasn't, like, a lot of people, yeah, like, covered was, in tats. Right, I was a vibe yeah. in the studio. I had neck tats and that. I used to have uh-huh. the tattoo guys, so I was the one throwing uh-huh. the tattoo parties. I would okay. have, a, you know, my tattoo guy come to the studio or come to Berg's house, mm-hmm. and we would just, you know what I'm saying, just get tatted all day. And I was somebody who never said no to getting tattoos. So, yeah. like, whenever somebody was trying to get some, I'm, like, pushing it. Like, let's wow. go. Let's go. I get yeah. one right now, too. So like I you know I remember we did that mm-hmm. uh, with Wiz early because Wiz the first when Wiz first got signed mm-hmm. he was working with Rob Holiday too and you know what I'm saying we were in the studio and he was just like yo you got mad tattoos where the tattoo mm-hmm. artist called him up pulled wow. up and he had got the uh, the Taylor Gang on his stomach uh-huh. with the wings the TG mm-hmm. it's like these wings and I remember he was like I want it to look like the Top Gun logo and yeah boom, boom, that was boom. crazy so like. I remember just you know being that guy at that point was just mm-hmm. like the tattoo producer. The guy. tattoo producer. Yeah, guy, yeah. he got the tattoos and he got beats. Like we mm-hmm. got so that was kind of the narrative that was going on for a minute, and then um, I got in some nice situations from there, uh, producing, co-producing on some stuff, some Diddy records, mm-hmm. some Cassie records. You know, I had a Sean Kingston like little remake. We like just different mm-hmm. things were like coming up from there, but it wasn't really. It wasn't really any checks coming in. Yeah, it was kind of just like, the like clout, homie. like little yeah. Clout, it was yeah. a little more clout, little homie working, being involved, being around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the time too, though, you know, we started doing studio sessions in Youngberg. You but know, that's dope because a lot of people are like, "Yo, why am I doing this? I'm not getting paid." Yeah, or a lot of people are like, "Like, bro, you're new. Like, you should just try to get in there." Right, you know and that's I mean? what I was about. I was just yeah. about chilling, getting there, sitting mm-hmm. in the studio, not making too much noise. Yeah, and then the first time Berg heard me rap he was impressed a little bit mm-hmm. and he was like yo like let's come to the studio just come to the studio whenever and if you got a verse hop on the song mm-hmm. and i think he used to leave this platform open for like if he put a beat on whoever had a verse could go in the booth he was you mm-hmm. know always motivating people like that and i was always trying to push it now like once that was the thing now it was a challenge it was like a competition and mm-hmm. i'm like yo every time i come to the studio i gotta have a nice verse ready mm-hmm. so i was always trying to get on every single record and you get taken off some of them 
And then you stay on some of them. And then from there, I had my first taste of actually being an artist, actually shooting music videos, having, you know what I'm saying, get it together and have a, a performance and like really be out, show up to shows, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And they kind of helped develop me in a sense. But just like, I don't even know if it was knowledgeable. It was just yeah. the homie that was just around. And like, I was just, you know, happy to be there. But that was kind of like almost mm-hmm. an artist development phase for me. Mm-hmm. And then when it was really a point when, again, I had forgot to make some money. I don't have mm-hmm. no gas money to yeah. pull up on you guys because I'm still living in the hood. Mm-hmm. They live over here. We are not. <laughs> so these were like me driving all the way from, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think about where I lived at that time. I can't even remember what crib. Oh, I lived in Inglewood at that time. Okay. So me driving all the way from Inglewood to the valley. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was driving from uh, like Lamert Park area all the way out here to the valley off like five dollars, mm-hmm. spending the night sleeping on couches for the weekend. You know what I'm saying? And just on not staying in a nice mansion, mm-hmm. having a great time. But like, <laughs> I was just there. I didn't have yeah. no bread. I was just you know just chilling and you know what I'm saying just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. But, I think from there, you know, it got to a point where I didn't have five dollars to get no gas no more. <laughs> like I didn't have no uh-huh. real bread or certain times where I got stuck and couldn't make it back home. Mm-hmm. So then I found myself being in a place where I just stopped going outside and I, I locked in at the crib and I ended up um, making all the beats for my first mixtape. But not to skip over, I first went back and then my little brother this is around the time like jerking music came out mm-hmm. and the dancing and like the street wave of that. Like the Dougie stuff? Dougie, mm-hmm. Cali Swag, YG, Soldier Boy. Rangers, uh-huh. Soldier Boy. All of that stuff was really getting active um, on the internet. YouTube had mm-hmm. just started going crazy. So I was behind the scenes a lot on that, producing mm-hmm. and, you know what I'm saying, writing and doing a lot of different things. Um, of course, we didn't have none of our paperwork right. So yeah. <laughs> don't really see no residuals uh-huh. or nothing off of none of that stuff. But that was like the, at that time I was doing all of that. And then I sat and one day I just decided like, I'm about to just make a mixtape today. Mm-hmm. And I ended up making When you started making beats. beats for yourself, did it feel different? Yeah. Did it feel like, oh, this is for me. So it's gotta be like. Yeah, I had never did that before. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird to make a beat then listen to it and come up with a concept mm-hmm. or figure out what I wanted to do from there, like what I was going to talk about, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, for the most part, and grabbing feature and just like figuring it out was was definitely mm-hmm. a process, but it was really, it was dope to, you know what I'm saying, actually get done an 18 song project that I recorded that all in the closet. It took probably about a month. Okay. But it was a, that was a month of every day. Yeah, like that's Every day fast. lock in, yeah. there was nothing else to do. It was, mm-hmm. you're going to sit and do this all day. You're going to make this beat. But I wasn't being too picky either. It was like, whatever the first beat you make, that's what <laughs> the one you're going to rap on. And whatever the first idea you have, that's what you're going to put out. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, because a lot of people think too much and they don't push it out. Yeah, I, I do that more now than I probably did <laughs> yeah. back then. Like, yeah. I, it's, I, like trying to get back to those spaces because at those points, you just, you're just making it to make it. Yeah, and, you got to make put something yeah, out. Yeah, you got to get it done. And um, from there, I did my first mixtape. And because of the stuff we were doing with Berg and the mixtape different series he had, uh, there was a DJ, internet DJ, DJ Ill Will. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I'm saying, helped 
hosted a couple of those different tapes. So when I finished my tape, it was a long shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, yo. Because I feel like what had happened at first is he had made a comment on mm-hmm. on like my page or something before from a song I did with Berg talking about how like nice he thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that was dope. You're a pretty dope artist. Then when I had my tape done, I sent it to him. And I uh-huh. told him, like, here's that tape, bro, that yeah. I probably told you I was going to have. And here it is. And I remember he was like, all right, where's the where's the cover art? And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And I just grabbed my phone and I just <laughs> like, there was no selfies. I don't even think the <laughs> camera probably didn't flip. I'm just uh-huh. like taking pictures, right? Uh-huh. And I I don't have no jewelry. Yeah. I, I went and found some glasses from somewhere. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think I had a, a, a quick silver hat on. Like, wow. I didn't have a white tee, uh-huh. a quick silver hat. Because, like I said, too, we were skating at the yeah. time. So I was, I was wearing Quicksilver, Billabong, uh-huh. and, like, just whatever was wow. available at the time. Yeah. So then, you know what I'm saying? I, I sent him this terrible photo. Uh-huh. He, he, I remember he told me how bad it was. He told you it was garbage. Terrible. But he uh-huh. had this other artist, like, figure it out. And, like, once I gave him the name of it, and I was like, I'm going to name it World Tour. And they put me in space and, like, made it look as uh-huh. decent as they were okay. going to make it look. But it yeah. was terrible. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, you know, that's kind of where everything started. He did that for me as a favor. Mm. Uh, then the second time I came back around with my second tape, or when I presented it, like, y'all want to do another tape, mm-hmm. you think you'll host? And he was kind of like, that first one was a favor. So if you want me to get the second mm-hmm. one, I'm going to need some bread. And I was like, dang, got no bread for that. Yeah. Like, so then now I'm just trying to put together the bread mm-hmm. and... I'm back over, you know what I'm saying, still situation with Ed Berg's house and DJ Ill Will pops up for this mm-hmm. video. So now we get to meet each other face to face. And I think that was it. Like that kind of sold him, mm-hmm. you know, seeing me at the video, seeing the dynamic, the performance, just, you know, how chill I was at the time. Mm-hmm. It interested him. And I think it was about two weeks went by of us talking probably linking up once or twice at different like events or, and stuff like that. And he wanted to, you know what I'm saying, be a part of the situation mm-hmm. and see how far we could take it. And not even really with any goals, just to see what, yeah. you know what I'm saying, what we could do without putting any bread up. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, you know, making some records that kind of made some, you know, cool internet noise at the time and, you know, gave him more of an idea like, I, I could really do this. Mm-hmm. And at the time too, Wiz was just bubbling like really, really mm-hmm. getting successful at the time. And we kind of had like the same brand to an extent. Smoke weed, tattoos, yeah, yeah. this and this and that. Like, you know, street guys, but not really too street, like yeah. still like Are approachable, still like yeah. yeah, like still having fun with it. And, just, and I think, you know, it just, he saw opportunity there mm-hmm. and how we could really make it work. And that's kind of like, that was kind of it from there. kind of just kept, Mm-hmm. progressing and moving just all based on our just ideas and workload and just putting in the work mm-hmm. and i think after maybe about three three mixtapes um we start booking shows i was going overseas like but from the hood to overseas mm-hmm. like i was literally going overseas for like 1500 dollars and going back wow. to i was living off the adams at the time mm-hmm. which is like a blood neighborhood I was over going right back <laughs> to the to the hood, like terrible studio apartment, mm-hmm. fucking disgusting. Like, but still traveling. Rats though. and roaches, yeah. bro. Like, but still going, most popping mixtapes. Uh-huh. Living in dirt, <laughs> like, uh-huh. 
traveling the world, going mm-hmm. to Canada, going to fucking Paris, doing all mm-hmm. this. I got a passport, but when I came home, I was just chilling yeah. like, and living a regular life. So uh, from there, you know, we ended up eventually getting some label offers and then pushing them to the side, mm-hmm. seeing, you know what I'm saying? How much further we could take it dolo and if we can make it any bigger drop the independent got kind of like an insight like what mm-hmm. you guys should do is drop an independent album first and have that show and prove yeah, show like that you could really concept yeah, show yeah. you could really make some sales mm-hmm. make some relationships with some radio you know what i'm saying artists and we ended up i mean radio djs and once we ended up making those relationships and i got my first song on the radio independently and dropped my first independent album and sold you know, 20,000, mm-hmm. then it was real. Yeah. Then the labels looked at it like, oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up going on my first European tour. Like that was like a million dollar tour before I even signed a deal. Oh, that's crazy. So like when I went to the label, I was like, you guys at least got to give me a million. I already got a million myself. <laughs> wow. Like, I'm about to make a million in these next couple of months. So what uh-huh. you got? So then they had to kind of Who was match coaching that. you through the contracts and like through like the business side of it? Uh, really, DJ Ill Will. It was, okay. it was, it, and it wasn't even really coaching. It was like we were just learning. Yeah, we were learning. Uh, shout out the bro Lee, who at Foundation, who helped us put out the first independent mm-hmm. project. He definitely gave a lot of insight and just kind of knew, you know, what I'm saying the ropes of different things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, him and Will, you know, he kind of, you know, just taught Will just different stuff. And um, but it was kind of one of those things where we didn't know what was going to really happen when we went to the labels. They were. St- asking us questions about mm-hmm. how we did things. And I'm like, hey, we just working. Yeah. They were like, how'd you how'd you book this? We can't even book our own artists in uh-huh. European tour. And I'm like, I just put out videos on YouTube. Uh-huh. Just yeah. stay and consistent and yeah. this and that. And they, they see them on YouTube and they mm-hmm. reach out to me and this and that. So that's kind of really long story short how everything when started. When did you feel like, oh shit, I'm a fucking rapper? Like, uh, I Double XL freshman cover. Uh-huh. That was when it was like, that was really big at uh-huh. the time. And everyone that I saw before me, you know what I'm saying, that hit those covers ended up being, Blowing you know what I'm saying. Did you have guys. red at that time? Nah, I still had fake chains. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. Yeah, I had, I had fake chains. They were custom chains, mm-hmm. but like I was still faking it, fake it till you make it. I was yeah, still yeah. wearing free young and reckless clothes. Mm-hmm. Like I made relationships to get free clothes and uh-huh. boxes from people. Wow. And you know, it was still one of those things where it was a hustle. Did you ever feel like, damn, someone might find out these are fake? Yeah. <laughs> My jeweler don't make sure they still felt heavy. Yeah, I still like, got the same jeweler. He, okay. It's everything. <laughs> like, Yo, we bro. laugh about it still. Like, wow. those fake chains that you have? Yeah, because sometimes I see people and I'm like, I, I don't want to say like, "Yo, are your chains real or whatever?" But like, sometimes I'll. I like touch him. Nah, well, what I did too is I, I uh-huh. the reason I, I I was able to push the, that narrative too is I didn't get diamonds. Gotcha. I made sure I didn't yeah. get fake diamonds. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do fake diamonds. Like I, I'll get some the like gold chain. Yeah, we'll yeah. get some like gold silver mix. Yeah, type vibes going on stuff uh-huh. I used to get when I was a kid downtown. Yeah. and you know what I'm saying. So like the chain was real. Yeah, but, like the charm was yeah. like mixture. Of course, different shit. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? Putting it together, it getting it dipped it. every couple months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So that's so funny. I wish I still had that chain too. Yeah. I had it for a minute. I don't know where it is now. Probably mm-hmm. in storage somewhere. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. When did uh, the money come? Um. Well, like I said, so that European tour was right around the same time when the double XL stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. So like I did that freshman tour. 
with them for free, mm-hmm. pretty much just for the exposure. And then I flew out to New York, did that. And then uh, I kind of went on the road right after that. And when I went on the road is when I kind of started seeing the real money on the road. And then I just kind of stayed. Like show road. money. Yeah. The show money started coming in. Uh-huh. And the show money was. Show money came in before the album money? Yeah. Yeah. Way before the album money. There was pretty. There was no album money. Yeah. Like the label initial, the advance came, uh-huh. like you know, what I'm saying from that deal. But I had already probably been on the road for like. Was the was a like year. The, like when you first started getting the show money? Like what was that feeling like? Like what did you go do? What did what was your mindset? I mean, was it like on some ignorant shit or was it a like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah I definitely went and bought real chains. Okay. You know? <laughs> I definitely went and bought real chains. Uh-huh. I remember like everything that I everything that I wanted when I was a kid, Jordans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just different stuff like that. I started buying. Uh at the time we still Yeah, because I always tell people it's like like when people like when I buy shit, it's yeah. really shit I would just want it in like an eighth grade. That's it. That's I just it. literally bought everything I wanted as a kid. I <laughs> yeah. didn't even care about nothing else. I uh-huh. didn't even care about a car at the time like that because I was on the road. Mm-hmm. So it was like I just start buying just little trinkets and mm-hmm. shoes and just different stuff more uh, tattoos more tattoos yeah. more weed you know just mm-hmm. a lot of that and just having fun with it um and of course still putting stuff back into the show you know tour buses production mm-hmm. like still making sure everything was big mm-hmm. and then uh i probably i wish i would have put more back of it into the music at the time yeah but i was a lot more self-sufficient and mm-hmm. had like you know i wasn't really focused on features or yeah well you probably like was doing music with no budget for so long yeah it was just like we still independently doing this work you know Uh what i'm saying i don't need new other beats i don't need yeah we're just gonna keep doing this the same way we're doing it but i think you know it's i I definitely didn't blow it all Mm -hmm. and then then you find out about taxes Mm. and then (laughs) then you got to start making adjustments yeah so when it was really like when i first started really noticing i was making money is when i first got hit with a tax with the IRS. The irs yeah they were like yo you owe you us you owe us five hundred thousand mm-hmm. i do but well, I, I, I gotta get back on the road yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it was one of those things where mm-hmm. you know you got to get back on the road and figure it out but then you know even when i signed with the label it wasn't immediate mm-hmm. uh success we dropped the first single with uh, Meek and Wale. I don't even think it went gold. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's gold now. I don't have a plaque for it. Yeah, it might be. Uh huh. It didn't really. It didn't do as much as I. Because at the same time too, before I got signed they, to RCA, yeah. it was I had Rick Ross asking me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So they wanted me to sign the Maybach. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to sign the Bad Boy. They wanted me to sign to all these different labels mm-hmm. and then i ended up taking the route over rca just because it was a it was more of a open space because mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of hip-hop artists and i saw the opportunity of being like one of their yeah. first hip-hop artists who could expand hip-hop mm-hmm. if that makes sense like take it to the radio work with your pop artists mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying blend and like help with the growth of hip-hop yeah and not really just go straight to def jam and just mm-hmm. do it the route like the same original you know what i'm saying what i knew was kind of safe and was mm-hmm. gonna work i kind of tried to take the more unsafe route yeah. to just 
I mean, that's what Jordan did. I mean, at the time, Nike was, you know, yeah. on the bottom of Adidas and all that stuff. And he right. knew that, like, if he went to Nike, he'd be the superstar. There. Exactly. So, like, when I yeah. went to RCA, they didn't have... A rap superstar. I couldn't even tell you, like... Yeah. Because I know they had, like, Usher and yeah. Miguel. And I think Tanache had just got a deal at uh -huh. the time. And chris brown mm -hmm. and like they had all just these r&b acts gotcha. and pop acts and miley cyrus and mm -hmm. like you know just all these different acts that were so far disconnected not disconnected but just they weren't you know they weren't hip-hop mm -hmm. like the other labels were like because like i'm saying like it was def jam and maybach and mm -hmm. uh jeezy's tried to sign me over there cte mm -hmm. and like it was all those other things were a little bit more street oriented yeah, yeah. labels RCA wasn't street orientated at mm -hmm. all, and I felt like you know I was helping bring just that that brand over there, which mm -hmm. it, it I felt like it definitely you know what I'm saying opened up and they For have sure. a whole different wave of just artists and people inside the office who are mm -hmm. just moving a little differently probably than they were before. So, how did you handle fame? Like, w w what was like your first introduction to like oh shit, being famous might not be that cool or like maybe like there's a downside to this. Um. Cause you know, I think I always went into it knowing that it wasn't gonna be all peachy. Like, mm -hmm. and I think that's just because I had that uh, the privilege of being the producer in the room mm -hmm. and watching so many artists go through so many different things mm -hmm. and watching the ups and downs and learning from the situations and knowing that this is how it goes. This is what could happen. This is what the fans are like. This is just, you know, the woes of it all. You know, watching Young Bird go through what he went through as an artist, like those different things helped mm -hmm. me out in just making certain decisions and, you know, being humbled in a sense of knowing, like, this is what you got to do, this is what you're going to go through, and mm -hmm. you can't complain. Yeah. Or because you could be here. Yeah. In the hood still doing nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and two, still just having a bunch of friends and people around that were st still doing that mm -hmm. or still, you know what I'm saying, stuck. It was just, it was humbling to know like you're in a good space. Like, mm -hmm. don't complain about nothing. Yeah. So I wasn't, I never really complained or about like, the fame or anything. Nah, I just kind of took it for what it was, even with just like, you got to take pictures. You mm -hmm. got to do that. You got to yeah. sign this. You got to be, people going to pull you. People mm -hmm. going to say things to you crazy. You gotta the comments you see on the internet. You just gotta. It is what it is. I never let those type of things get to me. Not saying they wouldn't have, but I, I like I said, I. But well, you knew it was I, a I part of it. it. I knew it was yeah. a part of it. If I didn't have that probably exposure, yeah, I probably would have felt. Yeah, a little you bit can't more jump sensitive. in the water and complain about getting wet. So yeah, it's like exactly. Every famous person deals with that. That's cool. So I kind of like I try to also let other people know that man, you gotta just that's a part of the narrative. Mm -hmm. So you know, we gotta kind of figure that out and figure out if that's really what you want. Because mm -hmm. I know people that want the success, but they don't want what comes with it at all. Yeah. Like, they're not ready for that. What um what do you think were like some challenges you had like with partying or like just like not being focused, like ups and downs you've had like on tour? Um, Ups and downs on tour? I mean, figuring out how to perform. Mm -hmm. Performing isn't like... Because they're so introvert, so it's kind of like yeah, yeah, it's like I had to jump out there, and yeah. just go. Like, was it I like, have was like it like training weird or anything? Like, um, to like turn that on, like on stage. I found out that I could. I didn't uh -huh. know. Even a lot of people around me didn't know. They were like, "Yo, 
never seen you that excited or that yeah. that energy that just like whoa mm-hmm. or the dance move you did like would have never <laughs> yeah, expected do you that. Dance? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm a dancer, uh, but like uh, my brother was a super dancer. It's like dancing's it's uh, natural. We got rhythm. I'm not like crazy, but yeah. I, you know, I get my little moves in, pop locking mm-hmm. in. You know what I'm saying move around, have some fun with it. But I think you know just going out there and looking at all these people and figuring out how to perform in front of them because even when I was coming up even in voice class when I was younger I used to hide my face mm-hmm. when I was singing in front of people like, wow. I didn't really like to be put on the spot like mm-hmm. yo he could sing sing something I used to be like oh no nah, I'm cool dance yeah. do this I'd be like nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. but when you get on stage it's kind of like I was nervous I still get nervous mm-hmm. until you hit stage and then once you hit stage it's just you there and you yeah. gotta just go and have mm-hmm. fun with it and just kind of Feed, and I do a lot of just feeding off the energy, like the yeah. crowd. I like, you know, they get so hyped. You're just like, okay, mm-hmm. we doing this. Yeah. Like, we having some fun out here. So I think from there, you know, it just kind of helped me with the stage mm-hmm. presence. But I had to fail at that. My first show was terrible. Really? Yeah. People the first do. show I did was a club show. Uh huh. It was awful. <laughs> it was yeah. so bad. Yeah. Did people like boo or something? It was like that bad. It, they didn't boo. <laughs> necessarily uh-huh, but, but like i didn't just, remember my lyrics yeah. oh, wow. i didn't really have like stage presence uh-huh. nowhere to be gotcha where yeah. to stand like mm-hmm. which parts to get hype on which like can breath mm-hmm. control yeah. like just all of that stuff was a learning experience so i think you know the first show turned out bad mm-hmm. from what it was and then from there though it just started yeah. you know i think after the first show i just turned it mm-hmm. on i was like yeah nah nah we got to do way better than this. We got to just go crazy when you go out there. Just don't even think about mm-hmm. nothing. Just go crazy. So over the years, like, what do you think was like your highest moment of like success? Like, like where were you? Like, like what's like a moment in your career where you were like, damn, like, I've like made it. I always tell people it's hard for me to say because I n- I never gave myself a chance to sit down and really accept or mm-hmm. dwell. I think once I got moving, the first four years, I didn't stop moving. Mm-hmm. I just kept going. I didn't appreciate where I was at. I didn't I didn't stop and really like look at it, take it all in. Mm-hmm. I kind of just kept moving and moving and moving until I burnt myself out. Mm-hmm. And it was like around it was definitely probably around like the third year. No, maybe yeah. No, maybe like the second year after being with the label, mm-hmm. doing three tours a year, like two hundred and sixty shows a year. Wow. Only two hundred and sixty shows a year. Yeah, I used to only have like a hundred days less. Wow. Sometimes I, I had, it was one year I had probably like seventy five days to myself. Wow. The rest of it was a show. That's crazy. Every time, sometimes two shows a night, mm-hmm. three shows a night, like or two shows in a club, mm-hmm. like yeah. stuff like that. And I was just moving. I was just getting the check, moving, mm-hmm. going to the studio, going back on the road, going to the studio, going back on the road. When I was on the road, mm-hmm. I missed the studio. When I got to the studio, I missed the road. And that's all that I did wow. for like the first two, three years. Mm-hmm. And then I got burnt out one day and I just like, I didn't want to, I just needed to chill. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think about what to do next. I could feel the fatigue in my body. Mm-hmm. Like I just started just like going down and I just had to like really sit 
focus, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Not really rebrand, but just like pay attention with all accepted. Have yeah. some fun. Like I wasn't having any fun. Gotcha. I wasn't hanging out yeah. with people. I wasn't I wasn't seeing my friends. Like mm-hmm. my, my friends' friends that I grew up with, I wasn't seeing nobody. Mm-hmm. Like there was luckily I was able to, you know what I'm saying, employ some of my friends mm-hmm. and help them out, bring them on the road, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things like that. But like there were still groups of people who mm-hmm. I just was disconnected from because I was just so focused in mm-hmm. like on just doing this every single day and I can't turn back. I can't fail. I can't be one of those mm-hmm. guys. Like I can't lose. Can't no, 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 no. No one hit wonder this and that. Yeah. So it was just always going through my head of just trying to succeed every day and do something. Yeah, and it's like every time you put out another project, there's always like that, you know, pressure of like, well, is this going to be the one that like doesn't do well? Or yeah, yeah, no yeah. facts. And you're sitting waiting and then you're just like, mm-hmm. I just, I always put that pressure on myself by a little bit mm-hmm. too much. So it was hard for me to really find a place where it wasn't up because it was never enough. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be a moment where other people would be really excited and I'd be like, that's cool. You just never said But I got to go. Mm-hmm. I need this or I need that or I need this. Were, were you we don't close? have no awards or we don't have this. Mm-hmm. So. Were you close with Nipsey this whole time? Yeah, I think I was. But like I said, again, I was disconnected from a lot of those people. So mm-hmm. we were still close on passing. Yeah, I would see him. We weren't spending a lot of time together. I would yeah. see him on passing. We probably should have been involved in the studio probably more mm-hmm. or just around more. But we still had a lot of the same circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would still just see him in passing a lot, catch him in the airport, catch him in different shows. You know what I'm saying? But it, And it was always the same energy and love. How would you describe him to people? Uh, Nip. Nip was just cool man like i mean he was always just an inspiration mm-hmm. like everything that like because he always moved the way nipsey moved and like independently and you know what i'm saying self-sufficient and you know you always wanted like from the outside looking in i would be like yo i want him to be in this place or i want him to do this or i want him to do more mm-hmm. and in his mind he had a whole yeah like blueprint plan. and he was sticking to yeah it. that that was confusing to me at the time mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, how come you not, or you got this, or like people were like, do this, and mm-hmm. this and that, and he, you know what I'm saying, had his own route, and then yeah. you see how that worked out in the long run, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I didn't always get it, and then I got it at one point, and I was like, oh, I understand. Like, yeah, it's crazy, because like, right before like the height of his career, it was like, it all kind of fell into place. Yeah, because at first, you know, I used to mm-hmm. look at it and be like, man, why are you selling yourself short? Like, you're you're nice. Like, yeah. you're really good. Like, you got an image. Like, mm-hmm. you could really do this and that. Like, go sign with somewhere. Yeah. Go do this and that. Or just do, like, you know what I'm saying? But I, I think that he knew, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Shit we didn't know. And, like, you obviously see that in, yeah. the, in the forefront now. He's, you know what I'm saying, a legend forever. Yeah. What, um... What was it like when, like, you found out his passing? Like, how have you dealt with that? You said his passing? Yeah. It was hard for me um, because, so it happened the day before my birthday. So that was kind of, like, one of the shittiest birthdays that mm-hmm. I ever had. And Your then, April 1st birthday? Yeah. Did my research. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I, it wasn't the best news mm-hmm. to get, you know what I'm saying, at that time. Because, you know, obviously, you know, we still out trying to do this like, oh, your birthday's tomorrow. What we yeah. doing tonight? Like, we still going to have some fun tonight. We getting drunk. And like mm-hmm. in that process of like having this house party, people coming over, 
I get the calls and I don't believe it. And then I start making my calls. Mm -hmm. And then when I get like the confirmations of what happened, it was like, that's crazy. And then I didn't really have too much time to process it it because I had to go on the road. I had a a European tour set Mm -hmm. up like that next week. So I ended up going on the road. Like I had to watch his his funeral when I was in Mm -hmm. Amsterdam. Wow. In the smoke shop, like, like we knew the day was happening. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I just got to Amsterdam. I was like, "Yo, packs on packs. We going to the smoke shop, and we are gonna stay there this whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's just we are gonna just roll one up for my guy all day, and just pull up and just cry it out, man. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, what I'm saying. So it w- it was tough, not only just for me, for a lot of people around me, because you know, what I'm saying he wasn't just close to me. I had a lot of just friends and people that were still, you know had their own relationships with yeah. him and everything like that because we just all from the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, one of those things that is it's still tough, you know, to just think about. Or you, like every once in a while, I'm just like, man, I can't believe that really like, mm-hmm. happened. Especially for the whole city because nobody, you know, just wasn't, never crossed nobody's mind. Like, yeah. Wasn't really like, because there's certain people in the city or that are in gangs, you know, you're expecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd be like, they're wilding. Yeah, yeah, you're like one of these days, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna go good for you. Somebody's gonna catch up to you. That yeah. wasn't really one of those situations, so it definitely hit a little bit different mm-hmm. than, cause like again, like I got friends that have died. All the I've had friends pass every mm-hmm. year and since high school, since junior high. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those things where, when you come back from summer or from Halloween like or from like yeah, like it was yeah. always gonna be one or two that you know what I'm saying had a situation, and this one just hit differently for mm-hmm. the whole city like it wasn't the first time that anybody had a friend pass but it was the first time it felt like that you know? yeah it's like a different type of love for him because it's yeah. different because like a lot of people are like oh i love this person because like his music but, like a lot of people loved him for like so many different things yeah. you know nah it, it definitely but at the same time too it was a big it was a big like motivation mm-hmm. of seeing that love and respect mm-hmm. and me asking myself like what are you doing yeah what's gonna happen when you leave like what is your narrative gonna be or you know what i'm saying how are you motivating anybody right now what's the you know what's your legacy gonna be yeah Yeah. putting that pressure on myself so i think you know it was definitely a tough year just not only dealing with his passing but Mm -hmm. now going through a a life crisis of like so what's next bro like Mm -hmm. are you just gonna just keep running this like this you're gonna do something bigger like what's the what's the next wave gonna be to where you're really making your stamp you know i'm saying on the game and on you know the world so it definitely helped me grow as a person you know so um to kind of switch up the vibe like what's next for you now uh next now um musically I'm back in the production, having fun, just, you know what I'm saying, making more of my own just music and beats, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, firsthand, playing instruments, like getting back on the road since, you know, consistently since all the pandemic mm-hmm. stuff and getting back overseas and shooting more music videos and just really getting back to mm-hmm. just the the grind of it all. And like not just shooting music videos for the singles, like shoot yeah. music videos to everything, like Cause at that, you know, before we used to shoot anything, it didn't matter where it was, mm-hmm. not putting so much pressure on myself to making sure everything is a mm-hmm. full on production, like just yeah. really having fun, shooting tour bus videos, shooting this and that, mm-hmm. getting, you know, back on, you know, social media crazy, just when it's all 
when it all makes sense. Because I, I definitely took even my step back on just letting social media mess my brain up. Yeah. Watching other people do things, watching other people have certain stuff go on for them. And you start looking back at yourself like, what I got going on? Or this and mm-hmm. that. Or I got to do this. Or this yeah. and that. Or I got to get to this yeah. sound. Or I got to, you know, I stopped listening to just rap. You yeah. know, because there was definitely a point too where I was like, I got to get back to studying hip hop. And then you start just losing like your just passion for it all. Mm-hmm. So I think I just got back into just appreciating and loving just art in mm-hmm. general, whether it be music, film, TV, you know, just creating in mm-hmm. general. I just merch, clothing, like I'm just back in a space of creating. Yeah. More so behind the scenes and letting everything just be organic in itself. Mm-hmm. Let's see what this got. going on too. All right, so this is your champagne company. This is the champagne. Before we get back into the music, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is definitely the other uh, the other endeavor that I have here going on. Uh, Belarus champagne. Mm-hmm. I ended up uh, taking because it's not really easy to get into the champagne game. No, nah, of course, it's it's a lot mm-hmm. of relationships. Uh, it's not just like making a cognac. You gotta, you know, this is coming from Champagne, France. This isn't like some Prosecco. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? This is, and I ended up having to take a brand and recreate it. I ended up making a new name. Mm-hmm. I made a new logo from scratch. I did all this myself oh, on wow. Photoshop. And, you know what I'm saying? Came up with everything. But when you come, I came up with a lot of different names, but you gotta mm-hmm. get the names approved by yeah, the, yeah. The, the French situation over there whatever's going on like the embassy <laughs> whoever mm-hmm. the, the champagne embassy but um and when did you start this we started this idea um maybe about two years ago okay but you know through the process well we started the idea of kind of right 2020 mm-hmm. when it hit and there was a lot of uh, struggles because of shipping yeah of course getting just getting the labels like Mm -hmm. i had to test these labels and they send you a book of all these different Mm -hmm. labels and you know getting them shipped from china or wherever they were doing or from france and then then getting the samples and getting the bottles and then designing it now are these supposed to be like what's the brand on this is it like club pop and champagne or is it more like upscale like out to dinner champagne i tried to do more of the upscale Uh but still something you would you would want to hold in the club, uh-huh. I was inspired by the. Uh, I was driving through Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and I was inspired by the old school Beverly Hills street sign. Gotcha. Yeah. So this crest in the mm-hmm. middle here, it inspired me. I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, I really like that that yeah. black and gold, and just that crest situation." So mm-hmm. I went and just you know what I'm saying went through a bunch of different crests and created just this this situation here. And then I had to come up with the name, and uh, the name means a beautiful road. So pretty much like a beautiful road traveled, and mm. you know it all just it all just started just coming together organically, and you know just felt good. But I wanted it to feel like I wanted it to feel like like you said upscale to a place where like I already knew the dudes in the club were gonna love this, yeah. but I wanted the females to love it too. 
Mm-hmm. So I wanted a female to. Yeah, because a lot of like the champagne people pop is like real masculine. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. wasn't going for full masculine. Uh-huh. I wanted it still to feel like, you know, and that's why we also went with rosé first. Yeah. So like I did these later. Like a, yeah. And we went rosé first just so I could grab the attention, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and have the females looking at it like, okay, because I know females always yeah. go for the rosé yeah, first too. And they don't really like that brute champagne like mm-hmm. that. So we went first with the rosé, and it has still more of a like a nectar feel to it. It's not mm-hmm. too too bubbly, and you know the taste wins for me. It was the taste of it won for mm-hmm. me, and it's low key a little stronger than most champagnes yeah. too. Because I notice I always get every time people I get a bottle, they're like, "Yo, I'm drunk, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get me so drunk off one bottle of champagne?" Because mm-hmm. I used to be able to go through three bottles of champagne yeah. dolo and still be moving around regularly mm-hmm. these my own champagne i can get through one wow. and i'm done mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'll be like yo if i get two of these i'm lit for the rest of the night so it's definitely that's definitely the the you know what i'm saying your next endeavor that you're yeah this is definitely about. what i'm excited about the most mm-hmm. and getting into it's just not the i'm not gonna say it's the easiest thing to yeah, accomplish course. uh you know getting licenses mm-hmm. to sell in every state you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of footwork you got to do yeah, you know showing up distro, to liquor stores it's the yeah. distro part of it wasn't really that's really where more of the struggle was so like but we finally got the cali mm-hmm. distro and that was the most important everything mm-hmm. else kind of trickles down are you trying that. to pull up like liquor stores and do like yeah i've been doing some oh, liquor wow, store okay. insignings you gotta you know what i'm saying travel mm-hmm. around different cities go in a liquor store you know pour up get drunk with everybody yeah. sign a bunch of stuff take pictures and stuff so i've done a couple of those uh again too it was hard mm-hmm. to do all that stuff during the pandemic of time course, yeah so it was like I tried as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to really obviously throw like the parties and the mm-hmm. different things, but I've, you know, been picking up, getting sponsorships, doing sponsorships for other people's parties mm-hmm. and different things like that. So we've been learning the game and, and, and definitely moving in a good route. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be exciting over the next couple of years. For oh sure. yeah, bro. Well, yo, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, bro. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Fire conversation. I feel like you got like your whole Mm -hmm. life story now. Yeah, we kind of dope in there. I just had a therapy session. Yeah, bro, for sure. I appreciate (laughs) you. We can come back next time. We'll go a little deeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what's up, man. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir. And these two are yours. I love these. Oh, hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. I don't drink, but I will give these to someone who does. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. Yeah. What it is, too, I wanted to make because also made the bottles because i just want them to look nice yeah so like yeah people no, they look classy still, they yeah keep yeah them they like them yeah office. like course. my lawyer has his in his office uh-huh. and it just like it looks nice because nah, yeah they see, look high-end yeah. i would see the bottles and they don't look bottles. like club bottles you know what i mean they kind of look like high-end bottles yeah, and i was yeah. inspired by it really i wanted to make a bottle that looked good just yeah. sitting in your house it's just, it looked like a gift you give someone right yeah. You see my gifting box was crazy. there you go i'm not gonna yeah. lie i made a really crazy gifting box that's fine so we went through it yeah I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Respect, bro. Thank you. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please find a 12-step meeting. If you're struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, or your mental health, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. Again, the number you can call for help is 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist.